Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about destruction, but before we get into today's episode, I want to like give you guys a little fun fact because as I was doing my Bible study, I was like, oh wow, like I didn't even know that. <laughs> so I just want to bring it to light um, for some of you guys. You may know it, you may not, so let's get into it anyway. So um, I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 7 verse 3. And it says, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Sher Jeshub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. So God instructed Isaiah to take his son, Sher Jeshub. And I was just like, why? <laughs> why? Why did God want him to take his son to go meet an ungodly man, you know, to go meet an ungodly king. Like, what did his son have to do with it? Um, but even though God did not give Isaiah's son any words, he was still sent as a messenger because he was sent as a reminder. So see, Isaiah's son name is Sher Jeshub, and his name means a remnant shall return. That's what it means. A remnant shall return. And he was sent as a reminder for King Ahaz, because King Ahaz had put his trust into the king of Assyria um, in desperate times instead of putting it in God. So he put his trust into the wrong person, and in doing so caused his, you know, the people of Judah to be taken captive. And so God sent Isaiah's son as a reminder for King Ahaz that, listen, just because you did this, your people are going to be taken captive, and only a small remnant is going to be able to return. So again, Isaiah's son did not have any words to say, he didn't have anything to do. However, he still had a message inside of him. Same thing goes for you. You may not have anything to say or you may not know what to say, but God is just sending you out there to be a reminder for someone. And sometimes you don't got to have anything to say at all. God is just sending you to go out there. And when you go out there, he will work the rest out. You know, he will work through you once you get to that destination that he sent you to go to. So, yes, you may not have the words to say, but not every lesson is a lecture. Sometimes it's just a reminder. So sometimes you just need that that sign, that person to be there to, you know, have that light bulb go off in your head to remind you like, oh, I need to do that. Oh, oh, I need to, you know, turn that in or I need to go meet this deadline. Like <laughs> you don't have to have the words to say. God can still use you. And that's how he used Isaiah's son. Even though he didn't have anything to say, nor did he have anything to do, he came with him, and just by him following, you know, his father, he was able to get that message out there. And just for fun, I just want to toss in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 7, because <laughs> this really made me laugh. So basically, uh, Isaiah is going out to meet Ahaz, and God is telling him at the end of the aqueduct, from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands for the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Amalia. So I'm laughing because God is just saying they all smoke. They ain't got no fire. They just, you know, they just smoke. They a smoke screen. There is nothing powerful inside of them because God has already gave us the power to overcome them, the enemy. And if you take a look at verse four, you'll see that what Isaiah is saying is that God wants Ahaz to take heed and be quiet, to not fear or be faint-hearted. For the two people that is coming up against him are merely just smoking firebrands. And what that basically means is that God is saying they are all smoke, no fire. 
So I don't know who this is for, but you've been stressing out over an enemy that has no power, has has no real authority. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And God meant that. <laughs> He's telling Ahaz, like, listen, even though you disobeyed me and you went against my commands, you need not to worry because these people, they have no real God. They have nothing backing them. They have no foundation to stand upon. So you need not to worry because they all talk. They all talk. But you should still, you know, uh, be concerned with the fact that your people are going to be taken captive on your accord because it was Ahaz's fault. He's the one that basically took what was in the house of the Lord and gave it to the king of Assyria because he just wanted to cover his own tail. And in doing so, he took from God. And even though Ahaz took from God, God still extended him mercy. Because if you were to continue reading on verses 7 through 9, you will see that God is basically telling him, if you don't believe in me, you can't be established. So you cannot do this without me. God is still extending an opportunity for him to be saved if he would just give himself over to the Lord. And that's just basically explains our relationship with God. You know, God is so merciful and faithful. Even at our lowest times, he still wants to draw closer to us. But we have to choose him first. All right, so now we're going to get into today's topic, which will be coming from Isaiah chapter 6. And this is basically the chapter uh, where Isaiah is called to be a prophet. But before Isaiah is called to be a prophet, he basically becomes undone in front of God. He pleads out to God saying, you know, I am, I'm done. I am unclean. I have sinned like I'm not where I should be. And so he just allowed himself to be authentic and unfiltered in front of God so that God can, you know, see all of his nakedness. So just to give you guys some insight as to what brought Isaiah to this point, he basically saw the Lord on his throne. And when you are in the presence of God and you feel him in the atmosphere, you know, it takes a toll on the spirit and the Holy Spirit will begin to start moving you and uh, speaking to the areas that you haven't been tending to. So this is basically what brought Isaiah to drop down to his knees and say, you know, God, I am undone. My lips are unclean. Um, you know, I dwell in a group amongst the sinners and <laughs> I need to be clean. This is basically Isaiah just putting it all out there. And as he put himself out there, one of, you know, God's seraphims, and if you don't know what that is, uh, they also use the name cherubim in the Bible, uh, but it's a celestial being, an angelic being that protects the throne of God. And it has four to six wings, okay? Um, and these seraphims are also known as the burning ones. And it's so funny that we call them the burning ones, but in this chapter, when Isaiah had told God that, you know, his lips were unclean, they had grabbed some coal with tongs. So the coal was too hot for them. But keep listening, y'all. The coal was too hot for them. They grabbed it with tongs. And having the live coal, they took that, touched Isaiah's mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Nowhere in this chapter does it say that Isaiah felt any pain. It just goes on to say that Isaiah said, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? You don't see anything about pain, but we do know that the coal was burning hot. So if we're thinking literally, we're not going to understand it, but spiritually, this coal was burning away the iniquity. So when they took that coal, it spiritually burnt away the sins of Isaiah. Isaiah. 
And some of us, we need that discipline. We need to have that desire to want to be better, to want to be, you know, uh, holy, to be set apart, that we want to be clean. And so we need to ask God to purge the iniquity in us. And in doing so, spiritually burn away the things that do not belong. We need to ask God to do that. That needs to be in some of our prayers, you know, and we may not like how it feels, but we got to get uncomfortable in order for us to grow. Okay. We cannot stay in places that we are comfortable in because if that's the case, then we will stay in a box for the rest of our lives. We need to be like Isaiah and put it out there and allow God to purge away the sin that is in us. Okay. So after the Lord purged away his sin, we get into verses eight through 12. And this is basically um, when Isaiah was called to be a prophet. It says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and the ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant. The houses are without a man. The land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. So I want to point out the will of God and the human will, how they got to be in cooperation. So God's will was to send somebody and Isaiah was willing to go. So we have to make sure that we are in alignment with God's will. Like Isaiah is Isaiah was only going to go if he was sent. If God did not say go, Isaiah was not going to go. A lot of people will say, you know, here I am, send me, but sit there and wait. Isaiah was like, listen, I am willing and able to go for you, God. I just need you to actually send me. I need that confirmation for me to go and do my mission. So basically God was looking for someone to send. He wants to be able to reach the world through willing people. That's what God is all about. He wants to use willing people. God gives us an option. He gives us a choice. He is never forceful. He will never make us do anything. He gives us the option to choose to do it. And so God, you know, in this chapter, he basically, he is searching for people who are eager to do his will. And some people get it confused when they read verse eight, because God is asking, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Some people were like, well, God don't know his people. It isn't that God doesn't know, you know, Isaiah. It isn't that God doesn't know who his people are. It's that he is just waiting for ready hearts to reveal themselves. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. God is waiting for ready hearts to reveal themselves, such as Isaiah. Isaiah dropped down to his knees. The coal burnt him, burning away the sin, and it got him clean. So now God was able to use him. See, it's a pro everything is a process. Okay, before Isaiah was called to be a prophet, he first had to get clean. Like there's always a step we have to meet before we can get to the next one. And I just want you to see that there is always a process to get you to your next. Okay, so here was God's task to Isaiah. He was telling Isaiah to go and preach to a people who wouldn't respond so that their guilt would be certain. He was like, listen, they may not say anything. They may not give you a hallelujah or amen. Okay, but 
that's all right because their silence is going to show that they are sinners. Their silence is going to show that they are to they're guilty. So I want you to speak to these people. And again, you may not get the praise that you want to get, but it's not about Isaiah. It's about God. And so this is when, you know, ministering wasn't really, really popular, especially ministering the truth, ministering about Christ. It was not popular. It was unsatisfying. And God was saying like, listen, you are going to minister to an unsatisfying audience. <laughs> you may not get amens. You may not get donations. You may not get, you know, a high five or any support from these people, but God is saying they need to hear what you got to say. So Isaiah was asking God, like, how long do I have to preach to these people who won't hear me? How long would I have to preach to people who reject my message? And God was basically saying, you need to be preaching until destruction comes. You should preach in hope of the restoration of a remnant. Mm. Isn't this Isaiah 6 and 7, it's side by side. We, we talking about remnants here. God is saying, Isaiah, you need to preach until that remnant is returned, until that remnant is restored to what it once was, until that remnant can glorify God in the way that she'll be glorifying God. Look at verses 11 through 12. It says, Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, until the houses are without man. God said, listen, I want you to cause destruction. God told Isaiah he was to preach until everybody cleared out. Okay, I don't know who this is for, but this is for you. You need to continue to minister in the way that God called you to minister until things are broken down, until barriers are being shattered. And it may be uncomfortable to you, but destruction is never comfortable. You got to tear down things in order to build up better. And it may be scary the way things fall, but again... Bad things need to fall so good things can be built up. Keep in mind, when your situation just look like it's in shambles, it's supposed to. You need to continue to speak to that thing until everything is laid waste. Continue to speak to that thing until everything is brought to the truth. God is saying, listen, I want everybody in raw form. It's time for you to continue to minister until we see that. Until everybody is authentic. Until everybody is done being mediocre and pretending to be something they are not. You need to go out there and minister until destruction falls. God is saying, speak until the walls fall down. Shout. Okay, it's, look, it's like we in Jericho. We shout until the walls of Jericho are falling down. God is saying that's the same thing that we should be doing in our ministry. Shouting the gospel. Until the walls of evil fall down. Shouting the gospel until barriers are being broken down. When I was reading this chapter, it made me think of a demolition of, you know, house flippers. Like, you know, you got to get to the demolition in order to start renovation, right? So this is basically what Isaiah was called to do. He was called to be a wrecking ball. He was like, listen, you are going to be coming to this land and you're going to wreck everything that they were comfortable with. You know why? Because that needed to be broken up in order for God to get into those empty spaces. And no, nobody likes the way a wrecking ball sounds, but hey, <laughs> I'm glad to be a wrecking ball for Christ. I'm glad to break up things that need to be broken up in order for us to get more of God inside of us. I'm I'm good with that. And listen, God always breaks the rules on our behalf, so it's time for us to break some things up in this world. Listen, the law of man does not prevail. It's the law of the Lord that does. All right, y'all, so that wraps up today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the plus sign in the corner of the screen to subscribe to the podcast. Share this with a friend. Drop a comment, rate, review below. And also follow my inspirational blog on Instagram at bnbpodcast.com. 
two underscores. Thanks for tuning in with your girl. I love you guys, and I will talk to you in the next episode.